the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, November 16th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. I don't see Mr. Bill. Is he being truant? I have David Dahl. My Maybe. Yes, he I, might be truant. We'll have to call the truant officer. Yeah. And we do have Miss Terry. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere. The ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. You know that reference, Mr. Dahl? You're William Butler Yeats. I went to bed last night watching violent protesters attacking the DNC in Washington, D.C. Talking to people about a violent protest at ASU requiring police protection for students. I read of thousands of college students rediscovering and reading and agreeing with Osama bin Laden's letter to America. And I read, read about a highly public fight between Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson on the one hand and Ben Shapiro and his supporters and fans on the other. Felt like things were indeed falling apart. The ceremony of innocence is drowned. And as I went to bed and woke up this morning, I thought, man, we have a lot of problems here. We've talked about mental health deficits among our youth and adults, and it almost seems as if even the well, the healthy, the sane, have been affected by the vibrations of the deluded and the delusional. It made me want to ask, where do we go for sanity? Where are the safe spaces for society at large? Where and who manages our cities of refuge? College students en masse promoting bin Laden in America now? A few weeks ago, Jordan Peterson was on Bill Maher's show, and Bill was talking about when Jordan was out of commission a few years back, nursing his health care needs. And Maher said, I thought, wow, I hope this guy makes it. He's one of the good ones. He's one of the few who keeps us sane, and there aren't a lot of them. When I went to see Jordan Peterson speak in Phoenix last year, the one thing I did notice was that the audience was primarily a young one, young people looking for help, guidance, and affirmation. God bless them, but it's not enough. And it made me wonder, if these young people in their 20s and 30s are needing a Canadian psychologist's counsel, and with Jordan, don't get me wrong, we all do, just as we need good columnists and speakers and preachers and the rest— but it made me wonder what was going on with these children for the first 18 or 19 years of their lives. What were their parents doing for or giving them? That's a question we don't ask enough, especially when we see teen or young adults who engage in violence, mass killings, and other things. What was going on not just the last months or year of their lives, but what was going on for the first 18 years of their lives? Were they raised in a two-parent family? Was the family functional or dysfunctional? Did the family or parents encourage virtues or turn blind eyes and even coddle vices? Was there a father? Was there alcoholism or drug use? Was there church or synagogue? Did their parents fight a lot? Was there attention paid to who their children's friends were? 
Were there extracurricular activities? Were the adults who were friends of the parents and in front of the children good role models? Was respect for adults taught, and was it earned? Was the mental diet as well tended to and healthy as the food served, and were the children given healthy physical diets? Was there a lot of music, and what kind of music was it? Was there a lot of television or screen time, and what was on those television sets and screens? Did their parents think about the importance of any of these questions as the culture they were raising their children in, or think these questions were important to any degree whatsoever? For decades now, we've talked about and been warned about all of these issues in various silos. We've been talking of the fatherless crisis since the 1960s, and it's grown exponentially. We've been talking about the decline in all sorts of things we used to think of as forces of composition. That is, strong families, strong faith-based moorings, strong role models. We've been warning about the forces of decomposition for just as long. Today, marriage rates are at an all-time low, and church attendance has fallen precipitously while Drug use is at an all-time high. Durables like faith, like vows, and like marriages have been taught to be disposable, and so they have become just that, disposable. So too other relationships. The marriage rate has declined about 50% since 1984. The statistic of the year is this. More people have left the church in the last 25 years than all the new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined. I'll repeat that. More people have left the church in the last 25 years than all the new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined. And our societal epoxies do not bind anymore. Things we thought durable have been dissoluble. And kids now look to the wisdom and strength of thought in Bin Laden. Good grief. Kids now support movements of mass slaughter. Good grief. It dawned on me, God forbid there will be another mass or school shooting in America one day. But if there is one, it will be done by someone with all kinds of abnormal and delusional grievances, as was the case in Uvalde, as was the case in Nashville. Young people will be scared and scared. But why? Isn't the Hamas grievance culture so supported by so many young people and young adults on the same level of justification as the grievances about our society here? Not exactly the same grievances, but on the same level of justification, which is to say no justification other than the factoid-based, psychologically twisted and morally preferred justifications and rationalities of the shooter, the bomber, the terrorist. We've coddled all of this for too long. That's what happens when you countenance my truth or subjective truths and feelings over objective truths and facts, when relativism becomes its own orthodoxy. That's the old Elie Wiesel definition of catastrophe, when good and evil are put on the same moral plane and the evil receive the countenance of the just. One last word on Hamas the group so many of our youth march on behalf of and even vocalize support for, and not a few professors as well. I remember when it announced itself on the world stage in 1989. It was shocking to many as it was founded, thinking the PLO was too soft, too moderate. That's why it was founded. The PLO, too soft. The PLO, which had hijacked airplanes, killed civilians and children and foreign diplomats. The PLO, which took hostages and killed Olympic athletes. Too soft, too moderate needing something stronger like Hamas. 
And I remember the countenance of the just given to the PLO. Yasser Arafat was given a hero's welcome and an official speech at the United Nations in 1974 for the first time, but not the last. The general secretary of the UN was a member of the Wehrmacht in World War II. The UN, whose very founding documents spoke of its need to promote freedom, justice, and peace. But that year, the general secretary who fought for the Nazis unapologetically gave the scepter of the UN's credibility to Yasser Arafat. And more terrorism came. And now, having spent a generation or more of telling children and young adults and allowing children to lecture us that we, the West, the Americans, were the oppressors, were the evildoers, were the abominable, were the children of dark, we are the children, and where are the children and young adults supposed to side? Whose side are they supposed to be on? Obviously, those opposed to the West, America, and our allies. We've told them that for over a generation. So it should only make sense that they would go to the exact polar opposite of what stands for America and what stands for the West. That which would terrorize it and destroy it, bin Laden. It's not that war is peace anymore. It's not that freedom is slavery anymore. It's not that ignorance is strength anymore. It's that terrorism is liberation and that bin Laden was right, just as Hamas is moral and morally justified. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born? Oh, I saw a message today I meant to tell you. It's from the PLO's Bethlehem telegram. came this morning. It states, quote, There will be bloodshed as long as the occupation from 1948 exists, close quote. Makes me think we're not slouching anymore. We're racing. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, Dr. Zudi Jasser will be with us at the bottom of this hour. Professor Mark Bauerlein will be with us for the third hour. He's um, professor uh, of literature at Emory, great author of several books, um, most recently The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, maybe trying to explain a little bit of how we got here. It is really quite incredible, isn't it, that, um, well, let me read you Yashir Ali. Over the past 24 hours, thousands of TikToks at least have been posted where people share how they just read bin Laden's infamous letter to America in which he explained why he attacked the United States. The TikToks are from people of all ages, but most of them are young. Many of them say that reading the letter has opened their eyes and they'll never see geopolitical matters the same way again. Many of them, and I've watched a lot, say it has made them reevaluate their perspective on how what is often labeled as terrorism can be a legitimate form of resistance to a hostile power. This is not limited to TikTok. Similar videos have been posted on other social media platforms. The Guardian had a copy of a letter to the America posted, but once these TikToks went viral, the Guardian took it down, which has only led to more interest in the letter. You can find it online. I hope they read to the end of it. I hope they read to the end of the letter where bin Laden justifies and speaks of why it was right 
to kill 3,000 Americans and how all Americans are guilty and deserve death. I hope they read to the end of it. It's not really new, by the way, this terrorist chic kind of thing. The thing that's new about it is the bloodlust and the indiscriminate nature of it. And and the and the magnitude of it. Planes into buildings, you know. We have these solemn we used to have these solemn anniversaries, commemorations is the better word of nine eleven. They used to be really solemn. And then they kind of became fewer and fewer. And um, and it's been kind of put in the past. And, of course, if you're a young adult right now in college, you have no memory of 9-11. You don't remember the cover of the San Francisco Chronicle magazine on 9-12-2001 that had a picture of a plane going into a building. And the headline was, Those Bastards! Exclamation point. You don't have a memory of that. You can find it online, but it's hard as the culture has tried to cleanse and sanitize that. If you can't remember the enormity of the slaughter that was in 2001 or have any mindfulness of it except for giving heroic encomiums to the designer and author and justifier of it, Bin Laden, why should we expect you to understand anything about the Middle East, whose history either runs back to 1948 or to the year 48 or to the mo- hundreds of years, millennia before that? How can we expect that? Or to have under any understanding whatsoever of what transpired between the years 1933 and 1945 in Europe? How can we expect any of that? But you know what this young cohort does know with certainty? They know that this is a bad place. They know that we support bad people. They know that 1619 was our founding date, not 1776. They know there's nothing to learn from Thomas Jefferson or James Madison. They know that. They know that AOC is far smarter and has a much better read on the world than Tom Cotton. They know that. And it brings up an interesting question about what is knowledge. What is knowledge? It's not fact-based anymore. It's not historical, historically-based anymore. It's opinion-based. It's feeling-based. It's a conjuring rather than a studying it's a feeling rather than a it's a feeling rather than research and then you add all that to the fact that we just don't teach american history anymore either i'm going to close the show with a really powerful quote from abraham lincoln and i bet no one under the age of 40 
has ever heard it before. And I'm going to bet those under the age of 25 have a knowledge of Abraham Lincoln that he's worth worthless to study. After all, Disney put out a cartoon saying that Lincoln had nothing to do with the freeing of the slaves. What do you expect of 25 and 24 and 23 and 22-year-olds when that's what Disney's giving them? And what's opposing it? What's counterposing that? What's showing them the errancy of that? Who's showing them the errancy of that? Right after 9-11, there were about three professors in the country who said things like, we had it coming. Ward Churchill in Colorado was probably the most prominent of them, but then you soon got it from Jeremiah Wright as well. But there were only about three. And they were shamed. I don't know if Jeremiah Wright was ever shamed. He went worse. Ward Churchill was shamed. He was found to be a pretendian, after all, all speaking on behalf of his Native American folks, his Native American folklore, I should say. There were about three. I'm going to guess now every college has about three, if not more. ASU seems to have a lot more than three. What the hell is going on at ASU? I mentioned yesterday that while everyone is taking to the streets marching against genocide, of which there is not one taking place in Israel or in Gaza or in the West Bank, but in which there is one going on in China and in Tibet, that it might be interesting to see if any American students protested the meeting with Xi Jinping in California yesterday. There was a protest but it was for Gaza. They shut down the Golden Gate Bridge this morning over Gaza and President Biden being there. Not over the millions of Uyghurs and Tibetans under true genocide and repression over Xi Jinping being there. We're very lost. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delight and privileged and honored to have our old friend, former regular guest, specifically uh, throughout COVID, uh, guest host several times of this show, Dr. Zudi Jasser, now a candidate for U.S. Congress here in District 4 to take out Greg Stanton. I could say so much about this great man. Dr. Jasser, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, Seth. It's always a Great to be with you. Great to be with you. People can follow him on Twitter X. We call it Twix around here, Dr. J. Uh, they can follow you there at Dr. Z for AZ, or they can go to your website, Z for AZ dot com. So much I want to talk to you about. Uh, Rashida Tlaib is supposed to be coming to, uh, well, I guess ASU, District 4, where you're going to be, where Greg Stanton represents uh, tomorrow. And it just made me think, boy... Wouldn't it be great to have you representing CD4 to uh, be greeting her? Uh, Greg Stanton, he didn't even censure her, did he? He didn't. He was not even one of the 22 Democrats that voted with the Republicans to censure her. 
And, uh, you know, if I were in Congress, uh, not only would I have uh, uh, voted to censure her, but I would be reminding our constituents, reminding our district, our state, of the fact that uh, our state-funded school should not be tolerating organizations like SJP that's funding her trip, that is sponsoring it, that uh, has basically called for recognition of October 7, which was a terror pogrom against the Jewish community uh, of, of horrific proportions, over 1,400 dead. Uh, that organization that's sponsoring Rashida Tlaib called it a Palestinian resistance and effectively celebrated it. I mean, that not only is there no room in Congress for that, there's no room on our state campuses that we pay for uh, for that. And, you know, your members of Congress should be speaking out about this, should be setting the standard of what we tolerate, what we don't, what is treason, what is not. And uh, unfortunately, Greg Stan is missing in action. And for all I know, he's sleeping somewhere in bed. Gosh, Dr. Jasser, that is powerfully stated and well stated. You put on Twitter just a few um, just a few minutes ago, quote, it's long overdue for ASU and, My- and Michael Crow to decertify, decertify national SJP uh, and SJP at ASU, whose glowing endorsement of October 7th and Hamas's terror pogrom makes them unfit for representation and organization in our state-funded schools. This is not complicated. Those are your words. That's right. It isn't. We have a statute on the books here, an anti-material um, support for terrorism statute in Arizona. It seems to me that if you are in league with and joining with and supporting terrorist activities and terrorist organizations, it should not be complicated to decertify them. In fact, perhaps even arrests should be made. Yeah, arrests because there were stones thrown yep. at a at a hearing in which student representatives were trying to have a democratic process, and uh, they had uh, projectiles thrown at them because they would not hear a BDS resolution that calls for boycott, divestment, and sanctions, which already has been passed a state law that has no place in our schools because it calls for, again, the elimination of Israel. Uh, other organizations that have been sponsoring slave include the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And I'll remind folks, not only is it the progeny of the Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups in the West, but in 2009, it's the board members of the Holy Land Foundation were convicted and are in prison still, I believe, for uh, raising money for Hamas. And ultimately, that trial proved, despite CARE's multiple lawsuit attempts to have that removed, that they are an unindicted co-conspirator in that trial, which made them basically part of the fundraising mechanism of uh, of Hamas in the West. Yeah. I mean, as you put it, thank you for that recitation, too, and that reminder, because as you put it, this just shouldn't be that complicated. This shouldn't be that difficult. It shouldn't be that hard. What is your do you have? This is a short segment. Do you have time for one more segment? If I have to take a commercial break here in a minute, Dr. Jasser, can I keep you just a little bit longer? Would that be a possibility? Absolutely. No problem. Uh, I appreciate it because, you know, you're among everything else that you are, former Navy lieutenant commander, it's physician. Uh, I... You're public intellectual and you've written a book, and I am just gobsmacked about the explosion we have seen in the last week and a half of college students, young people, saying they're now just reading bin Laden's open letter to America for the first time, and it's opening their eyes. And I just wondered if maybe when we come back from break, you might tell me, what's going on with our young people? Why is bin Laden now their new hero And what would your message be to them? Dr. Zudi Jasser and I will be right back. Follow him 
at uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser or at DZ4AZ, Dr. Z4AZ, that's better, DRZ4AZ, uh, or uh, go to his website, Z4AZ.com. Dr. Zudi Jasser, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a delight to have, it's an honor to have Dr. Zudi Jasser with us, J-A-S-S-E-R, candidate for Congress in Arizona's Congressional District 4 to take uh, take on and take out Greg Stanton. You can uh, go to his website at uh, Z4AZ.com. You can follow him on Twitter X or Twix at Dr. Z-A-Z-D-R-Z-A-Z. Uh, Zudi, um, amongst all your other accolades and accomplishments, uh, you have thought deeply and written copiously uh, on uh, issues having to do with American culture, uh, patriotism, uh, our youth. Over the last week and a half, two weeks, there's been an explosion of young college students on TikTok saying that they have now, for the first time, finally read bin Laden's letter to America, the first one from 2002. And it's opened their eyes as if, uh, as if they have been blind and, and, and now they see. And I'm just wondering what the hell has happened to this country and what's going on with our youth. Why is that attractive all of a sudden to them? I have my own theses. I wonder what you think, and I wonder what you would say to them. Yeah, I think my, you know, the thesis is that this is not new. It's not a surprise. Uh, while our Navy, God bless them for all what they did, was worried about whether they threw him into the sea appropriately. It was Sharia compliant when he died. The rest of us were saying, do whatever you want with the body. He's a terrorist. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, this guy's going to keep coming back. And same thing with Awlaki. We spent, I can't tell you how much testimony I gave to Congress telling them, don't worry about suppressing their writings. That's what they did. They wanted to remove videos and all these things, and that was important. We're like, listen, these these guys operate the best, uh, like bats and caves underneath ground, like we see with Hamas. These ideas flourish, and they're waiting for the right time. And the Marxist, neo-Marxist movement in the left that fed the destructions of our cities and, and our monuments and our businesses through covid and the Black Lives Matter movement that was led by uh, anti-Semites and others have now unmoored us, unleashed basically the permission for the Islamists along with the neo-Marxists. And remember, the neo-Marxists did this classically with Shai Guevara and so many other so-called revolutionaries who, who reveled in terrorism and reveled in destruction. And the worse, the better for their movement. Yeah. And this is exactly the way the Islamists operate. They're nihilists. They live for death so that they can, through nihilism, come back uh, with their writings. And as the Tariq Mahanas of the world were in Boston, um, giving his speeches while he served 17 years, they let him give speeches about how evil America was. You know, my message at the time was to counter his ideas. The New York Times was saying, well, should we publish this or not? And I sent them a piece and ended up publishing it on my own because they wouldn't publish it. We need to have an offense against these ideas. Where's the conservative movement with an offense to tell our youth that there is no better nation than America for freedom and to defeat the ideas of theocracy? But we still are in defense, and with, with you know uh, people that are asleep like Stanton and others, we're going to continue to lose miserably. I have uh, a, a follow-up on that, if I can, Dr. Jasser. Well said. <clears throat> the follow-up is that they do believe in certain things, these, these young kids— Yes, I agree. Politically, uh, there's a lot. Uh, there's there's a lot of attraction to uh, the anti-Americanism, 
and maybe the anti-Americanism is a strong medicine because youth tend to want to cling on to something, you know, strong and something to fight for, and we don't do a very good job. In fact, we do a lousy job, an awful job, of giving them reasons to fight for and believe in America. But bin Laden, bin Ladenism, it gives them something to believe in and fight for. But they believe in and fight for other things, too, like um, LGBTQ rights, like feminist rights, and things like that, some of which I agree with, some of which I don't. But they're marching for a movement that if they tried to speak on behalf of at, say, I don't know, the Islamic uh, University in Gaza or at Berzeit University in the West Bank, they'd be dead in a day. How do they reconcile yep. this, or do they just not know anything about this, do you think? I don't think that they, you know, unfortunately our schools are not teaching them critical thinking. We formed our Clarity Coalition, which people can see at claritycoalition.org, that includes a, a broad swath of uh, liberals, feminists, gay rights activists, conservatives like myself and others. I helped build that, saying, listen, 80% of the battle for national for security in the West is about defeating neo-Marxists, this red-green axis, and we can do this whether we agree on certain domestic policies or not, but we're not going to have a country to defend unless we go on the offense. And we were saying, listen, they're infiltrating woke ideas into our academies, into our military academies, into our universities, and they've been on offense fueled by the Chinese Communist Party, Russia, and other entities that want to destroy us, and Israel's at the head of the spear. So where's our offense? Why aren't we infiltrating into the... Palestinian communities, the need for an Arab Spring against Hamas never happened. Why are we infiltrating the best anti-nuclear program into Iran, which is supporting the women's movement and, and defeating the theocrats there? None of that. We've constantly been on defense, and most of our representatives that are especially on the left can't even articulate what this country, they want to preserve in the country, the values that we share. So we're left basically unarmed and in a position of surrender. We're talking to Dr. Zudi Jasser, candidate for Congress, Arizona's 4th Congressional District, currently held uh, by Greg Stanton. You can follow him on Twitter, X, Dr. Z4AZ, D-R-Z-4-A-Z. Zudi, you know, the thing that a lot of people, when they look at this larger geopolitical or larger geographic problem, look at Arizona, front lines on the border— the threat from the border, the gotaways, people being uh, caught as being on our terrorism watch list. And it's a huge concern, and it's made all of America a border state in a sense. I just, you know, with that concern, I just didn't think we also had to be concerned about our colleges. We're growing them here as much as we're importing them, aren't we? Absolutely. And this is why if you look at the ideologies that they're pushing out— you know, it's like fighting drugs and drug use and in and, and our teens and others. You can do as much as you want as far as uh, banning things and, and trying to prevent it from getting into their hands. But unless you help them replace that need for narcotics with a sense of fulfillment, a sense of positive movement in their life for personal individual rights and creativity and entrepreneurship and all the things that we're trying to we're supposed to be doing in our schools, it's not we have no offense. So you can only defeat the vacuum that gets filled by radical Islam and radicalization by replacing that in our children with a sense of purpose and a sense of belief. Because I was not radicalized like Nidal Hassan was, who had a, a frighteningly similar background, because I would only die for America. 
I would never die for Islam or my faith. That's between a person and God. But I would only die for America because my kids could only be who they are because of the, the treasures of freedom that this country gives them that nowhere else can give them. And I think we're even better positioned than Europe, which is on life support, because they don't have the same idea that people, when they get here, become American by virtue of believing in our social contract. They are more language-based, race-based, and their democracies are much thinner as far as ideological bases. But we can't be hemorrhaging folks that in the millions are coming here to destroy us with no idea of the social contract. We need to allow people in that really buy into our social contract and prevent those who are neo-Marxist and don't share our ideas from coming in. Well, I can't wait for you to be in Congress and on the House floor debating Rashida uh, Tlaib and censoring her and maybe even putting forward a motion to expel her. Dr. Zudi Jasser, Godspeed to you, sir. Thank you very much for everything. Thanks for covering this, Seth. Appreciate it. You betcha. Appreciate you. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by Y-Refi. What a great company. Headquartered here locally, actually. You can go and visit with them. They encourage that. Their offices are right on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. They're great corporate citizens. I've been there many times. You're going to like them if you do meet them. If you don't, check them out online at invest. If you don't go there, check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. They have a secure investment where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And it's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. ton of flexibility where you can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. No attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you'll get monthly statements with no surprises. There are absolutely no fees. It's secure and collateralized. And it may be a better option for you than where you have your money now. As I say, check them out at investyrefi.com. Invest, letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI24. Can't say enough about how great that team is. Uh, do I want to ask you about last night, or do I want to go to the phones? What do I want to do here, young David? Take the phone call. Absolutely. Our good friend Rick. Hi, Rick. Hi there, Seth. How are thanks you? for taking my call. You bet. And wow, thanks for having Dr. Zass, uh, Jasser on there. Isn't he something? And thank him for his clear and courageous stand. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I was listening to him, I had, like, flashbacks of President Reagan. <laughs> he's, he's something You know, else. I, I mean, he speaks, he speaks in that clear and affirmative way of what America is and 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 what the the great promise and all and all of those things you know it's just like wow this is thank the lord for for somebody that really uh is able to express that so well as oh, you know. do on your program well, every every afternoon oh you're very kind i think i'm just maybe a dial tone for the voices well, <laughs> for others you know voices but he's something else he is a gem. you're speaking for a whole bunch of us and you do it very eloquently you're very so. kind to say that i do have a problem i have to take a top of the hour news break you want to hang on and start us off in the next hour is that okay uh, with you 
No, no, that's okay. That's oh, okay. All right. Just thank you for for, oh, thank uh, you. for the program. Well, thank you. All right. Well, there's room for more. 602-508-0960. Your hour coming up, and we got to ask young David several questions. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.